Okay, I'm going to be honest. Uh, we've been studying and like reading for this for the past two weeks. And if anything, Christina, I'm more, I'm more confused now that I've read things than before I even read things. About uh, why women are dropping out of the workforce. About why women are dropping out of the workforce. Christina, what's the U-curve? Funny you should ask that bizarre and obscure academic question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it is not a turn in driving. No. Um, basically, it's this theory about women in work. Okay. Where if you imagine a U on a piece of paper. Okay. So at the top on the left. Okay. That's when, when everybody is struggling, everybody has to work, right? So yeah. that means men work, women work. And then as, as generally the economy or as individuals move up the economic spectrum as you get a little more money, little more wealth, little more money, little more wealth. Then you go to the bottom of the U and that's where women uh, start to drop out of the workforce because you have... They already have money. Yeah. So so then their work is not entirely dependent on the acquisition of money for survival. Yeah, absolutely. If you think about it, if, you know, the family has enough income going in, coming into the house, then the woman can stay at home. Yeah. For me, I always think about it as madmen. Okay. Like the show Mad Men, which is in 1950s Americana, where all of the women are at home being beautiful housewives. Yeah. Uh, um, And then what happens is, now imagine the bottom of the U, and then as you start to move up the U on the right-hand side, that's where you start getting into, say, a society like Sweden, which is that you have enough of a high standard of wealth that both genders are working equally or as close yeah. to equally and, as we've and been then able work to. doesn't have the value of only wealth acquisition. It also has the value of self-actualization. Yeah. Where you work to, you know, fulfill a purpose or to fulfill a passion. Can I just uh, tell you what I understood from the U-curve? Yeah. So, it means, okay, at the top of the U, on the left-hand side of the top, like where you start drawing the U, that's where every woman across caste, class, color, culture is working due to the fact that she needs to work. Hmm. If she does not work, she will go hungry or her family will go hungry. Yeah. That's the top of the U-curve on the left. Yep. And then actually, can we just take it as woman X, right? Yeah. Woman X, oh, actually, wait, woman, oh, X only because X chromosome. Anyway, um, <laughs> so woman X, right? The representative representation of the X chromosome uh, who stands for every woman, it's all in her, right? <laughs> she is currently working because if she does not work, she will go hungry. Correct. Right? In order to participate in a capitalist economy where in exchange for money, you get food, she has to work. Yep. Right? That's her at the top of the curve. I mean, at the top of the U. Then she, then as it falls, now she's, you know, been working for a couple of years. She's managed to put away some money. She's, uh, you know, um, uh, become rich. Right now she's at the bottom of the U, at the bot- bottom bend of the U, where she doesn't really need to work Correct. and therefore doesn't work. And that sort of is an almost leisure uh, time when you're like, I, I don't need the-, the money to survive and therefore I can use it for other things. Yeah, or, um, like, or that-, that there's enough money coming in that they only need one income. Like you're, uh, Yeah, you're, and that her husband is working and so she doesn't need... That much work, or she do like won a lottery or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, then, <laughs> then the other end. So now, as 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 it goes down, and then it comes back up into the second hand of the U, where it ends. 
now she enters the workplace again for things like self actualization where now work attains a higher purpose right where it goes away from just being a desperate necessity to being a luxury that uh, no not even luxury to being something that is used to actualize her as a human being you know from survival to actualization uh, that is sort of the u curve uh, of work yeah i think that that's a really good way of of talking about it i think at the end in many ways you have to think about it not just as an individual but also countries so like as you go from as you get closer to that right upswing where she's working for like you said you know she has more of a career rather than doing it for necessity yeah that's also just where we see greater gender equality it's more ah. that everybody's working but you're doing it you know in rather than hand to mouth work yeah you have enough accumulated wealth as a society that it's not just hand to mouth work it's careers and um you know yeah. making uh you know robots and and services and <laughs> making robots <laughs> yeah yeah like exploring your leadership potential yeah like yeah so for example a daily wage laborer in india is falls on the left topmost end of that u curve correct and then someone like me uh yeah. falls on the right top end of that u curve correct where i do it you know i mean again as i said i i have the potential i mean i have the i have a way to support myself but i'm now doing this for self actualization i'm doing this because i feel like i'm you know i want to achieve something i i have a voice i want to be heard i want to be funny i want to you know all that stuff that's interesting and so it's basically that every woman in the workplace exists on some spot in this u curve yeah that's sort of the theory of how do we plot whether or not we're going to figure out and also frankly have a map of whether or not women are going to be working in any given place or any given economy at any one time. How cute and so typical that like women even in their curves they're like <laughs> no no this is about you. <laughs> this is about you. <laughs> when economists and policy folks and things are trying to think about okay when does this fall of women participating in the workforce when does it turn around? Is it just that right now we are going from the left side of that U to the bottom? Okay. Right, which is just like a downward slope and it's because people are just becoming wealthier every year. Yeah. Right? And as people become wealthier then you only need one income. Yeah. That's the bottom of that U. Yeah. Uh and then eventually we just move up. Yeah. Right? Is that the pattern that we are dealing with? Which yeah. is again a pattern is like a model. It's like you know any sort of if you remember in school math equations these sort of I things don't. are supposed I, to <laughs> I blocked it out. I blocked it out. Is it that we're following that? how how long is the bottom of that u before it goes back up oh is it a u oh you're just saying it's an l <laughs> <laughs> some economists when they look at this and what's happening right now uh, some agree and some think hey maybe this u curve isn't exactly applying in the same way here maybe there's something different going on and today we're going to talk to someone who really knows about this stuff ooh uh David I mean who <laughs> <laughs> I mean you <laughs> curve <laughs> Today we're going to be speaking with Devika Kerr who's at the Harris School of Public Policy at the University of Chicago. Uh she is a policy expert with specialty related to urban governance and the female labor crisis in India. Wow. That's literally her specialization. 
Hi, Devika. Great. How are you? Great. I'm doing very well. How have you been? Good. We have a DT here. Hi, Devika. Hi, Hi Aditi. <laughs> what are you doing? It's listen. Been Do you have an so long. <laughs> Hello, listen. Yeah, you become like this important person, so you forget human beings. <laughs> oh, please, okay, please listen. Where's your accent? Where's your Chicago accent? Yeah, what accent? I've been here for like four months. I think if by the end of it, I'll have more Indian accent than I had when I entered. Uh, <laughs> listen, how's it going? Good, good. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's very cold. I'm not used to this level of cold, like. Ever. I used to be in Bombay half the time. Huh. I, know, I know sweat. I don't understand freezing in the middle of the day. You know, as someone who's currently sweating away to heart's glory, uh, the grass is always nicer and cooler on the other side. Greener. So, um, Devika, uh, I want to start with this. Mm-hmm. How did you find your way to public policy? Like, what was your um, sort of interest as a, as a child? So... It all started because we used to have a lot of politics on dining table conversations. Um, reading op-eds was a must at home. Um, I still remember very early on in my life, my mom told me, you have to read the op-eds on your own, no one's going to read it for you. So that got the interest growing. But I didn't know there was a field really until I did my master's, frankly. I got to know of public policy as a proper field in my first job at Takshashila Institution. So until then, I thought, okay, you become a journalist and you write about what is happening around. Um, but that's when I realized, no, not really, not necessarily. You, there is an entire field called public policy, which actually deals with these issues. What kind of arguments would you get around on the dinner table? What would you guys fight about or debate about? Let's call it debate. It sounds, debate sounds academic. <laughs> to give you a background, I was growing up in a Gujarat of 2002. I was growing up. As a Kashmiri Pandit, I was uh, also an economic student in 2009. So I, I had enough uh, um, material for conversation at all phases of my life, right? Uh, there was enough um, enough events in the world, thankfully, to keep us all busy about what's, what's going to happen next. I have been trying to convince Devika to do stand-up for the longest time because she is <laughs> sardonic and dark and so sarcastic and so funny. And so, here's my question. When are you coming for the next open mic, Devika? I'm never going to do open mic. You do understand that I do follow comedy. I understand how it goes. As someone who understands comedy, I will never stand on that stage. It is not nice to stand on the stage. No one laughs on your first three jokes. It's just, it's brutal. It's it's really if you don't follow comedy that you can be like, okay, I'll do this. Yeah, <laughs> you do it. you don't sit in the front row. I don't sit in front rows is how much I know comedy. Just I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why you stand out so much from the crowd because you <laughs> are so and you're so smart and you're so bright. And I, I noticed you posting articles or talking about women at work. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, much before it even became a major talking point. In my previous job, we had this entire idea that we we did get the sense that there is a huge job crisis, which is looming around, which is uh, getting really big. So we entered from there. Uh, It was was really a tiny team of three people. And uh, out of them three, I I was the only one who, like, I really entered as an economist, really. So I was like, okay, um, the economy is doing, like, with the growth in the economy, we should have more people joining. Or if there is a decline in economy, it should be consistent, right? Like, there should be as many men not in the workforce as there are women. And then I started getting into this female labor force 
conversation has realized it's a completely different beast in itself like it has nothing to it has some to do with the regular job crisis which is there are there aren't enough jobs but beyond that it takes a different route altogether which no one really talks about when when our country was having this entire conversation about there aren't enough jobs or jobless growth in the country uh, it's strange no one ever looked back and said oh in last 20 years around 19.6 million like around 20 million women have quit their jobs like where are they why are they quitting jobs like you can say that they're not joining the workforce because uh, they've joined like they've gone for education or higher studies but imagine leaving jobs like they would enter and then be like okay i don't want to do this um or they'll enter and they realize i cannot do it which is mostly the case um because of some social pressure or some other reason so as an economist i was very naive to think that this was an economics problem uh, that you make the pie bigger and then everyone benefits. It's really not that. So I started looking at it. So I started reading more of it. If you look at this problem, you have to understand that putting it in a straight jacket solution is very difficult. You can't say do this and this would happen or do that and that would happen, which is to some extent possible for the general jobs crisis, right? You can generally say, okay, increase, inv- increase investment, increase uh, loan make loan easier and uh, allow better labor policy and maybe that would change but with this you'll have to change mindsets you have to change stereotypical um, thought that okay uh, only a household which really desperately needs should allow women to work otherwise um, and um, and and the stereotype re-exists in every generation. You think, okay, the next generation won't do this, but you just relive that story again and again. You know, you just said, which I think is, is, is totally accurate, that it's, you know, it's not a straight jacket thing and it's not a straight jacket problem or solution. You can't apply that. When we talk about women in the workforce, there's a U-shaped curve. So on the, on the <laughs> lower end of the economic spectrum, Everybody works because mm. you have to work. Mm. And then you go into this period where it's like the 1950s in the U.S., Betty Draper, Mad Men. You know, everybody sort of stays home because you, you only need one income. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it goes back up. Does that, do we see that U-curve in India or, does in, or are we defying that in some way? The, the U-curve you're talking about was um, a theory by Claudia Golden, which was eventually worked on in many different aspects, but this one was talking about economic development uh, and um, and that's the impact of that on female labor force, which is that at lower income, you need more uh, breadwinners and so you allow women to work, but as the income increases, more women go back to the households. Um, A lot of this comes from various reasons, right? Like one is that at lower uh, levels of job that's not really a voluntary job right like you're doing it involuntarily so you would mostly end up doing low skilled jobs in under duress and uh, as the income increases um too many things happen first uh, the double burden that you still have to manage the household irrespective of whatever you're doing else so you want to give up on one of the burdens and second you are not 
literate or equipped enough to then enter the workforce at the pay scale you want right because the income the household income has increased now you can think of it in intergenerational way right like a household income would increase within three generations so the first generation even if that was working in a very low scale um, job where the mother was working but as like a domestic help or at, as a low skill labor she spends all the money to uh, educate the daughter it would mostly be so that she the daughter can then move into a higher income household and that that middle household uh, would not yet be at the level where they would educate or equip her with the skill sets to then go have a career of her own but they would just be in in very stereotypical way good enough to let her just stay at home and work which is considered to be a high up right and then comes the third generation where finally if she has child and the child realizes okay i don't have to stay inside the house um i can go to college and and get higher education and have a career i've done this conversation on twitter and many other places where they think oh because women want to leave the workforce right they don't want to work but it's really not that it's the fact that at that point of time a you have very little options b are not equipped right like the second generation was not you're not getting the ba or bed at the level you want so because you're not even taught to be in the skill set you end up being of course at home because that's the idea that when you're being when you're young if you see this is very common in in indian households at least that from a very young age they will get their daughters involved in the household work like very young age that you would be picking up plates you'd be doing things uh because the idea is that eventually you would be running a house whereas when you're like raising a son from very young age you start building it in that person's character that you have to step out you would have to go work with the people you would have to uh like you would go to the outer world which is not really a narrative for the girl a girl would mostly be taught how to cook and how to deal with the household chores management family politics those are the things that we are taught to deal with so it's very young age where they start cre- creating stereotypes and then after that when the girl is 18 you can't look at her and say oh she didn't choose to work it's not really the narrative was very different for her like the story was very different for her you no know, matter which strata i have heard this from almost all income strata's very rarely do their other families which from a very young age would tell the daughter oh you know you're going to eventually work outside why don't you do these things this will help you be more outspoken but that never happens yeah and you know i mean it's it's those it's those basic skills also i mean this basic socializing skills this the skill to negotiate your because your then the then your operational sphere is your family and for which you are constantly yeah. compromising or adjusting and so you mm-hmm. kind of if, if even if you step out you're not equipped to not adjust um, exactly. or to stand your ground you know devika i wanted to dial back a little bit is the decline of women in the workforce just coinciding with a general global uh, decline in availability of jobs um and and should we be even worried about this So to give you stats on this the world average of female labor force employment rate is 50% and India currently stands at lower than 24%. So even if the argument was just that there are not enough jobs we are still way behind to have that conversation. Derek I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So then at what point and I'm talking about like women specifically uh mm-hmm. not the overall job market in India. At what point mm-hmm. do we see it turning around? 
I if if we go through the U curve, uh, I think if we grow at an eight percent GDP to nine percent GDP growth rate, then yes, in the future we should see an upward rise with the household income increasing beyond a certain point where enough people have um, incentive to send their daughters um, that who understand that you know they will add to the learning curve and specifically the good part about the upward slope of the u curve is that at that point of time it's not an involuntary job right you're doing something that you are equipped to you're interested in you have uh, your families or um, friends have invested in you so that you can do this so yeah that's a beautiful idea of being on the upward curve but i i'm very doubtful about it because um during demonetization, we hit 10% female labor force participation rate. With with the the country country. What? Where, what? Uh, you, yeah, yeah, because what? look at who gets hit in a demonetization. Of course. We kept on saying, oh, informal sector is hit. You know, informal sector really suffered. Who is informal sector? How you know, The percentage of women employed, most of them are in informal sector. Mo almost all of them are in, really, we are very minuscule who actually have contract labor uh, who actually can stand up against our uh, bosses. Uh, really, that's very minuscule number. So if that's that's the way our economy is proceeding, I'm not very optimistic about it. I am optimistic on the scale that we will eventually, have, there is no way that you can survive as an economy without including women in your workforce. Like it, it is almost impossible for India to grow if there aren't enough women working. It's I, it, This is something even like our first prime minister thought about, right? Like there's a quote by him where he said that, um, Nation's progress is intimately reconnected with the status of its women. So, it, I, I'm I'm sorry for sounding pessimistic, but as of today, I am. I'm I'm hopeful that you'll have because it's not an option. People will be forced into getting women into the labor force because how can you grow as an economy if like half your population is sitting at home, and like sitting at home not in the derogatory sense, but sitting at home because you've not made it. Like you've not equipped them or made it viable for them to step out. Uh, Devika, are there specific sectors that are yeah. doing good? Like, are there areas where we have hope? Mm -hmm. uh, there's IT that is for sure doing. They're doing certain activities to uh, improve the participation of female labor because, first of all, they are trying to come up with these ways where if you do take a maternity leave, uh, you can come back and be de-skilled. So the, because the job is so decentralized, it helps and it allows work uh, working from home. So those that sector helps. Second, we are com like a lot of metros now have training centers for women to become um, uh, cab drivers or learn how to drive, how to do things which can equip them for better sectors, like for different sectors, right? Every sector now has at least one or two women who have stepped in and change the narrative that, okay, this is not a male-oriented job. We we see that since I, I can remember, we've always had this news, oh, this first woman in this sector, first woman in that sector. Uh, so I think we are making, there are changes at the curb. So, yeah, but, but really, like, we've not made huge progress and there are certain sectors which are going to take a lot more time to shift, where the narrative would take a lot longer time to shift. Devika, do you think if we find a simpler way to say female labor force participation rate, people might pay attention? <laughs> I know. Women in workforce is a brilliant way of putting it. I think we can create narratives where we can say that, you know, in the end, like there are stories where I think it was in 2018, like this news, it's March 15, 2018. 
there was a news in the news uh, the front page which said Usha Devi was beheaded by her uncle in a broad daylight because she worked in a factory yeah and i just i looked at that news and i was like okay so next time i talk about this entire page on why we need better investment to increase the pie and therefore in that way increase the jobs for women i was like what is this what who am i talking to what am i talking about <laughs> it doesn't even make sense in this world where you're beheaded to work in a in a factory then really your problem is not that oh she did not do her masters really <laughs> <laughs> every every uh, conversation we've had about behavioral i mean behavioral and cultural sort of changes has yeah. always come from a place of like well you know indian women need to be more confident we need to we need to see more role models but then we also are faced with this like like nobody's talked like we've talked about the violence against women uh sort of being uh structural and systemic mentally and if i in the news see someone beheading someone for working uh, a man beheading a woman for working i know as a woman i will think 300 times more for working and I, i and and you have mentioned that you're kind of cynical about it um as we walk away from this you know are there can you give us one thing to look forward to um when yes. it comes to this so the so amongst many things two or three things really give me hope one is the fact that you cannot grow as an economy without women so you will get women involved now either you would do it systematically or it would be unsystematic but it would happen because there is no other way and second i think general the idea that as with secondary level the literacy rates really high at the secondary level i think it's it it will be very difficult for us to hold a narrative that okay we do not want the women to work after that also because the economy is so terrible you need everyone in the house to be working yeah. like I, i don't think you can live in bombay with both the couple not working <laughs> um, but uh the but no the the positive side is of course that i don't think it's not all doomsday because for very clear reason that um once you equip women with so many things and once they get the exposure that they get by a technology communication connectivity with cities and all of that it is very difficult for us to continue convincingly telling women that oh you know you shouldn't work one thing we're we're uh, looking at is one thing that people who are listening can do what is something that we can actually do like if you have felt slightly overwhelmed by this Is there something uh, we can do in our own lives? In, in our own levels, I think just allow create conditions for more women to work. So if you have a cousin in your family, just like simple things, right? If you have a cousin in your family, don't look at her as someone who needs to get married. Start looking at her as like, "I oh, did you study this? Maybe you should do this course." You have to ignite that in your conversations where you when you talk with anyone, be like Oh how's how's this opportunity going don't force them into a labor force like no you have to work now now that we heard this podcast but uh more like changing the conversation right like if you're talking to a girl who's 15 16 unsure what she wants to do tell her she has so many opportunities then telling her you know roti gol banana or like you know the you have to make the chapatis round so now that's 
I think that itself will change a lot of things. Like this is a social problem. It is not like it is not just a market failure or a government failure. It is a social failure. As a society, we haven't done enough. So really, it requires the society to then change. You can't keep on waiting for government to create a scheme for women to then do things. Really, like we really need to do it ourselves. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Miss. So so heavily appreciated. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Devika. This was great. Yes, it was great talking to you guys. Women in Labor is made by Christina McGilvery, Laura Quinn, Aditi Mittal, Manya Sachdeva, Sonakshi Chowdhury, Nandita Gupta, Sonali Thakur, Ipti Patnaik, Rose Higgins, Porva Jassy, Regina Hawkins, Kashish Sethi, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center, New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Facebook.